The Toby Gribbon Show. Highlights. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Madison Daniels is a visual, engaging podcaster, speaker and storyteller who's normalising all things embarrassing in life with a candid and light-hearted personality, sharing her journey of overcoming challenges such as loss, divorce, mental health struggles and alcoholism, while emphasising her transformative power of faith and community support. And Madison is on the line with us here. How are you today? Hi, I'm doing great. What about you? I'm smashing, thank you. Enjoying all this cold weather like we were talking about. Now, what was it that originally inspired you to take on this mission and kind of share your personal journey so openly? Yeah, absolutely. So I went through really what I've kind of defined as like a couple years downwards spiral in my life. And Mm -hmm. I went down a pretty bad path, you know, pretty early on when I was in my teens, got really into drinking, trying drugs, and really spent my entire, you know, entire decade of my 20s, beginning of my adult life, just consumed with addiction, just drinking all the time, justifying it, saying that I'm in my party lifestyle. I actually had really bad undiagnosed anxiety and depression. And instead of dealing with that, I was just suppressing it with alcohol and drugs. And then in 2020, it all kind of came to a head and my father ended up passing away from COVID. And yeah, and I actually was the one in the family that got COVID and then had to tell everybody, hey, I have COVID. And then my dad ended up dying from it. And so I kind of start just this really bad downward spiral because I feel like it's my fault my dad died right and so I have this just guilt and shame and anger and I remember it being the first time I had so much pain I couldn't drink it away so then I start you know adding drugs in because maybe that'll work right maybe mixing alcohol and drugs will take away the pain and it doesn't so I try harder drink more try more drugs you know I'm in this really bad spot and at this point I've been married for about five years I got married really young Mm. and my marriage had not been going well up until this point and then I'm sure you can imagine you know grief and addiction just kind of coupled with this you know kind of you know uh ended with my marriage imploding so now I've lost my dad I am in this really messy divorce I lose my dog in the process of going through this divorce a ton of friends I get really depressed really addicted and I live in this state for about two years 
of just anger and grief and denial and just addiction. And I, at this point, have no faith. I grew up in a faith-based household and really turned my back on God during this, this phase of life. Because in this phase of life, I'm making all these poor decisions. I'm doing all these things wrong. I'm, you know, going against, you know, so many things that I should be doing in life. And I think the reason my life is messed up is because God didn't deal me a good hand, right? And that's not why. It's because I've made every bad decision of a bad decision imaginable by 23 you know yeah <laughs> i'm like so angry with god and i start to have these little moments where it starts to kind of get revealed to me that i'm an alcoholic that mm. you know i'm addicted to these different drugs that i'm really bad off in depression and anxiety you know i start to have these things slowly revealed to me and so slowly I start to kind of let God back in. I start to try to give up some of these, you know, addictions that I have. I get into AA. I, you know, start doing all of these things that, you know, you're supposed to do in recovery and my life starts to get better. And I'm like, would you look at that? I just stopped self-sabotaging and bam, things are getting better. You know, I'm getting into faith. I'm, you know, fully, you know, kind of back in with God. Like I am really into, you know, working the 12 steps and trying to make my life manageable, you know, all these things. And my life starts to get, you know, just miraculously better. And I get to this point where I'm kind of getting these like little pings of like, you need to start sharing about this. Mm. And I'm like, no, I don't want to, because it's all so embarrassing, right? Like who wants yeah. to tell people I was addicted to alcohol and drugs. And at one point I wanted to kill myself because I was so depressed, right? Like mm. there was a large amount of just embarrassment and shame I carried around with those things. And I kind of just kept getting these reminders of like, whenever I was going through that, I felt so alone. I thought I was the only one that had experienced those things. I thought I was the only one that was that bad off. And as I've done therapy, as I've gotten into AA, I've realized there are a ton of people that are in the exact same situation I am. And those people also feel alone. And those people also feel like nobody knows it. Nobody gets it. Nobody's ever been through that. And so it starts to kind of like slowly, like, okay, start sharing about mental health. So then I start doing that. Then I start sharing about addiction. Then I start sharing about faith. And then slowly people start to reach out and are like, hey, you know, I went through XYZ situation. It was very similar to yours. And I was like, wait a second, is this actually like helping me and helping people like what a crazy phenomenon and and so that's kind of cliff notes version as to kind of what i went through and then kind of how this evolved into kind of where i'm at today yeah and you mentioned about the fact that you had covid and then your dad died of it so you know psychologically um you know it feels like you've caused that and of course when you think about it it's not your fault but it's easy to see how you'd think it would be so mm -hmm. how did you um deal with that mm, i love that question so it's uh, so my dad's been my dad passed away a little over three years ago and it's taken all three of those years for me to go through all the stages of that and by that mm. i mean at first i was in denial um i remember at the beginning of this journey i was speed dating therapists right because i knew i was just so just emotionally and mentally not in a good place and I knew I couldn't fix it. So I was like, I'll give therapy a try. Yeah. And anytime I had a good therapist, I wouldn't see them anymore because mm -hmm. it made me uncomfortable. And so the first time I have this good therapist and, you know, she's kind of trying to get into, you know, like, do I have any guilt or you know, shame or remorse around, you know, what happened to my dad? 
and I shut down because I'm not ready to deal with it. And I'm in denial. and I can't say out loud, you know, I think it's my fault that he died, you know, and yeah. so I'm not seeing this therapist. I shut off those emotions because in my mind, they're too painful to deal with. Right. Yeah. And then, um, slowly just things start coming up. Like I worked in the corporate world for about 10 years. And during this time period, I had somebody reach out to me who told me that they felt responsible for their ex-husband's death and it happened to be the anniversary of the death. And they were just not in an, in an emotionally good place. And then, you know, I share with them, you know, I felt the same way. Let me tell you. And then slowly like weird things like that start happening where I'm like, wait a second, there are a lot of people out here that are just wandering around feeling responsible for people's death and they're just emotionally messed up because of it. Mm. And, uh, you know, I I slowly start to just admit it to the people that are close to me. But I remember whenever I was coming up on the anniversary of my dad's death, I wanted to just really get it off my chest. I was feeling really guilty about this. So I felt so sad stigmatized by this that yeah. I had an AA group that I was in. I went to a brand new AA group that I had never been to to tell them that I really wanted to drink that day because I felt like it was my fault my dad died. And I felt so stigmatized by admitting that, that I literally went to a random AA group that I'd never been to before because I only wanted to tell complete strangers because I felt so ashamed by that. And so I did all these just, you know, really weird things to kind of kind of deal with it. And then slowly one day it just kind of came to me that like, hey, a lot of people are carrying around the same amount of grief and like that needs to become a part of your share. And yeah. I was like, oh, okay interesting so it's, it's i mean it's taken a full three years for you know me to get to the point that i can have this conversation with you today yeah. um so i would say you know i remember whenever i was really going through it everybody was like it just takes time and in the moment you don't want to hear that because what you want is an instant solution and you really have to like heal and work through the pain i wrote a book called it's only embarrassing if you're embarrassed yeah. and i originally started the book literally just as like a trauma dump like I had this guilt I'd been carrying around about my dad and I didn't know how to express it. So I just wrote it and I ended up turning that into a book. And so like, there's so many just different things that I had to do over literally the course of three years to get to the point where I could manage that pain and deal with that pain and have open and honest conversations about the pain. Um, yeah. So I think writing, I think sharing, I think realizing that you're not alone. I think all of those things that really helped me to be able to come to grips with this reality in a way that the pain didn't kill me in the process. Yeah. How do you navigate the balance between being candid about your experiences and maintaining a light-hearted approach? Oh, I love that question. <laughs> so I, I kind of have maybe what they would consider like a dark sense of humor. Mm. Um, so uh, a real joke that my friends did not find funny is after my dad passed away and my life was spiraling, I was making all these bad decisions. I was like, well, you know, at least the good news is only have one parent to this point instead of two, you know, that's, that's the main thing. <laughs> yeah. and, and so I just like, I think that I used humor to deal with the pain at the beginning because there was so much of it. The only way I could express it was through humor. And yeah. so I think for a little while, that kind of became my coping mechanism. And then I realized that a lot of times, you know, if you listen to like comedy, comedy most of the time is tragedy plus time, you know, because bad things yeah. happen, they're terrible, but then you tell about it later. And somehow it's this like story that you've gotten a lesson out of or, or a funny story. So for me, a lot of it is about time. Like I have to wait until 
I so like I try to share about things real time, but there are some things I don't like the feeling like my dad's death was my fault. I didn't share about that real time. I shared about that once I had been able to kind of come to grips with that in a way that I thought I could share it, you know. And so I think a lot of it, a lot of it is time. And then a lot of it is just, you know, I have this coping mechanism of humor that's somehow worked to my advantage in the process of telling people about my story and making it relatable. And really, I think a lot of times, you know, you have to have a little bit of humor with this tragedy because if you don't it just becomes this sob story you know and if you want it to be inspiring you have to be able to add a little bit of realism plus humor so people know yeah you can go through these things but guess what you can come out on the other side and somehow laugh about them you know in the past or in the process or whatever because you're finally able to heal yeah Uh, and how do you decide what aspects of your life that you're gonna share are there any issues that you um maybe don't feel comfortable talking about or is it all out there now yeah i love to love this question too so (laughs) um the only things i don't share the things that are not mine to share and by that i mean that whenever i was writing my book my sister went through a really messy divorce the same time that i did i had this whole chapter of my book that was basically about how like my viewpoint of you know her her divorce how it impacted you know myself and the family and you know my mom kind of politely reminded me that uh if i want to share my story that's fine but it's not my decision to choose to share other people's stories. And if they want to share that, then that's on them. And if I want Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. 
kind of share that's on me. Um, and so I would say that's kind of my biggest lesson is, you know, just trying to learn how to share things that are not going to piss other people off in the process or things that are not going to make other people uncomfortable or ruin relationships. Um, and that's hard because I'm totally an oversharer. And so sometimes yeah. like, I have to, like I'll like record a podcast and I'll be like, damn, I shouldn't have told, you know, all of that, you know, I'm, maybe I need to go back and kind of, you know, delete some of that. To, um, mm. and so I would say that that's really the main thing is like, am I sharing what is mine to share or am I taking other people's and sharing about that because it feels good for me or because, you know, I can't believe this happened or, you know, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Now, how has your, well, how have your experiences in recovery, both like from alcoholism and mental health, you know, influenced your overall perspective on life? Yeah, um, it's been really good for me. So whenever I, it's so funny, we, I've judged people for being in all the situations that I've ended up in. And so whenever I was growing up, my dad really struggled with mental health and with alcoholism. And I judged him so harshly for those things. And then I later struggled with those, you know, exact same things. Yeah. And I realized like I have, you know, you, you always judge people based on the options you think they have not based on the life that they're actually living and yeah. so i've had just so many like candid moments of being in situations and it's almost like god like pops in to be like remember when you judge somebody for being in the situation see how easily you ended up in this situation mm. um and so there there have been a lot of really good reminders just along the way of how you know really just kind of fragile life is and how easily you can make wrong decisions or go down the path you know different things like that that you know from the outside looking in it seems like how the heck did you get yourself into that situation and then you end up there and you're like oh it wasn't that hard actually (laughs) and when you were kind of going through all these difficult um challenges what was it that ultimately you know what were you thinking at the time were you thinking that you will get out of it or uh you know i guess were you optimistic or were you pessimistic yeah so i would say it was not until i let go of the alcohol and all the drugs that i finally started to be able to see that optimistic because Mm. whenever you're really badly stuck in addiction it's all that consumes your mind i was actually talking to my mom about this the other day and i was like i remember like holiday weekends like it would literally be like okay i have to go to the liquor store the abc store meet this person for drugs meet this person for drugs make sure Mm. i have enough things are going to be closed like it's like this wild like thing that is on in your mind and so you literally have to kind of uh, survive the day when you're in that and so it's so hard to be optimistic and up until I was really bad in that addiction I was always an optimistic person that I get in this really bad depression you know I think it's never going to end and then I start to you know get back into faith I give up the alcohol I give up the drugs and slowly I'm like oh wow wait a second is this feeling that I'm feeling happiness like I haven't felt this in so long like do we think that this is because we got faith and gave up the alcohol and drugs maybe so and so it you know it's a it's a long process and I would say in the moment I really really struggled to be optimistic it was probably more in the pessimistic mindset but then once I gave up the addiction and you know just gave into faith a little bit the optimism started coming more and more and more and more until finally that consumed me rather than the pessimism yeah and you're involved in the AA community you've kind of been involved in it so 
what role did that play in your uh, recovery and what impact does it maybe still have on you now? Yeah, I love that question. So whenever I first went to AA, I was so angry um, about going to AA just as a person. I had all this anger, this resentment. I, uh, you know, was ashamed that I needed to go to AA. And kind of the backstory is I quit drinking for about three, four months before I went to AA. And all I thought about every day after I quit was drinking. I wanted to drink all the time. And I finally ended up going to AA because my therapist had been telling me I needed to go. And I started going to AA on a Wednesday. If you're wondering, like, what sort of alcoholic I was, like, it wasn't even like a Saturday night, like on a Wednesday. Um, I actually have, uh, I'm working in the corporate world at the time. So I have to, you know, back out of this dinner that I'm supposed to kind of be hosting because I can't go and not drink, right? So I have to tell my boss, like, hey, I can't go to this event tonight because I'm actually an alcoholic. And if I go, I'm going to drink, I'm going to ruin my life. And nobody questions you when you say things like that. They're just like, yeah, sounds like you, you shouldn't go, right? So I go to AA that night and the whole way there, I'm so angry. And I'm like, you want to know what? If my dad hadn't, you know, drank so much when I was growing up, I wouldn't be in this situation. If, you know, God had just made it so I didn't have an addictive personality, I wouldn't be in this situation. You know, I'm angry. I'm blaming. I'm the victim. I'm not taking accountability. And I get to AA and I'm like, I could just not go in. Like, I could literally now nobody would know that I even came or like was even Mm -hmm. one of those people that needed AA. Like, that's what I'm thinking, right? And so I say a quick little prayer. I'm like, hey, God, if you want me to be you know in this AA thing like show me tonight go into the meeting I'm still like debating like I could leave and like no one would know that I was here and in the process of this battle the meeting starts and I'm like well I'm I'm I'm, we're in now you know and literally sit in the back of this meeting and cry almost the whole meeting because I was just so touched and shocked by every single thing that was shared because I had never been in like recovery or treatment. I had never been around this many people that could relate to what I had been through and that were sharing about it in a way that was open. And these people had gotten through it. I remember I was there and this woman was there. She had 12 years of sobriety and she shared about how she, since she'd been in the program, she's lost her son, she's lost her mother and she's lost her father and she hasn't taken a drink to any of those events. And I was like, okay, God, I get it. This is where I'm supposed to be um so i you know get really into the program i'm going you know to aa all the time i'm reading the book i'm working the steps i'm doing all the things um and then i a couple months ago uh was in the process of chairing the meeting so there's always a person that kind of chairs or leads the meeting so that's my point that i'm you know starting to chair the meetings and I have this like really great reminder of like the stigma people feel when they first come into the room, because mm. by this point I am very open about my journey. I have a podcast I'm sharing about it. I share meetings. Like I'll tell people anything about my drug and alcohol addiction. And like, I'm not ashamed of it anymore, but yeah. I'm in these meetings and I, I kind of forgot about these moments of shame. And there is this new guy who comes to a meeting and he's like, uh, we, we kind of open the meeting up for just whatever people want to talk about before it starts and so this guy he uh shares and he's like hey i have something really controversial i want to ask you guys and talk about and it's going on kind of this long pitch about whatever it is he wants to talk about and i'm like okay this is not really how these meetings go like i don't know what i'm gonna say to this guy i don't know what his question is <laughs> and it turns 
how his question was that he struggled with alcohol and drug use and he wanted to know if he could talk about both because we're in AA but he really struggled with both and he really needed to get some issues both his chest and I'm like that's what you thought was controversial like I didn't say that but that's what I'm thinking like we're in AA talk about all the alcohol and drugs you want like we do not care sir and so he gets done and it's kind of quiet and I'm like oh this guy's waiting for me to answer right because I'm I'm during the meeting and so I'm like oh yeah like I personally struggled with alcohol and drugs I think most people in here did we don't really care so like if you need to share about alcohol drugs whatever like we don't care that's what we're here for and it was this great reminder that I was where that guy was but I was afraid to even ask that question you know and it's always such a good reminder that whenever you you know chair meetings you go to meetings that even if you're in a good place not everybody there is Um, and it was just like such this humbling moment of like wow I'm not in that place anymore that this guy is in now but I have the opportunity to help somebody who is in a place that I once was Um, so so kind of full circle from start of AA to now kind of how the, the program has impacted me absolutely and you mentioned your podcast there so what message do you hope your podcast sends to those who may be going through similar challenges that you have so the title is only embarrassing if you're embarrassed i kind of decided upon because mm. i realized you know in my 20s i had struggled with addiction grief loss divorce all these things that people could be embarrassed about but ultimately you get to you determine embarrassment like you're the one that's embarrassed so if you choose to be embarrassed about that it's going to be an embarrassing event but you can to not be embarrassed about that and you can choose to just accept that that's a part of your story and that not all of your story is going to be picture perfect and so really it's all about just being genuine authentic just being honest and open so people have a platform where they can just hear things maybe they haven't heard somebody talk about before they can realize they're not alone and they can realize like they choose what they're embarrassed or what they're ashamed of how other people don't get to choose that for you absolutely well what's coming up in the um, not too distant future what kind of things are you going to be talking about on the podcast and any other projects that you may be working on yeah i love it so i just launched my first book it's only embarrassing if you're embarrassed so i'm going to be doing some different things kind of around that book i'm going to be doing some giveaways things like that and then i am also going to be on the podcast i do an episode called faith friday and i'm trying to read the whole bible through this year so we're going to unpack that episode that on every friday's episode just kind of whatever lessons i'm learning as we're you know trying to read the bible through in a year and that's kind of a new segment that i added where I try to talk about the Bible in a way that's easy and digestible and makes sense and really back to, you know, just everyday life. Um, Also have a lot of mental health things coming up on the podcast, talking about imposter syndrome, talking about what to do if you're not sure if you need to start getting a therapist, you know, difference between going to see a therapist and psychiatrist, you know, I'm trying to make it really practical takeaways where you can listen, you can get information and you can also have like, you know, next steps if that topic feels like it was really speaking to you. Absolutely. Well, where are we able to find the podcast and the book? And keep up to date with you everywhere. Yeah, I love it. So it's only embarrassing if you're embarrassed. You can find the book on Amazon, podcast on 
Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And I have an Instagram account, Your Internet Bestie Mads. And uh, there is where you can find like more like everyday life that I'm sharing. So kind of depending if you're like more podcast book, everyday life, that's where you can kind of find the, the things of Madison. Excellent. Well, many thanks for talking to us today. It's been great to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and hope you have a great day. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The throbbing pulse of sound, the Toby Gribben Show.